I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Shelly, a 44-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, lesbian, living with her girlfriend, and monogamous. Shelly grew up in the Mormon church, got married as she was expected to do, and had seven kids. Several years ago, she started questioning her faith and left the church. Once she was gone, she realized she's a lesbian. She and her partner, Mary, now have a podcast called Latter-day Lesbian, and I'll include that in the show notes. There's lots more to this story, and Shelley tells us all about it in this fascinating episode. I'm so pleased to introduce Shelley. Shelly, I am so excited to talk to you today. One of the things that I've been getting really interested in is how our religious background or the religion that we were raised in can affect our experience of sex and sexuality as we grow up. And I know that you have a particularly interesting story in this vein because you have the podcast Latter-day Lesbian. Which, why don't you, just before we even get started, give people just like a quick synopsis of what your podcast is. Sure. So my podcast is, uh, my girlfriend and I do it together, and it's my story of being born and raised Mormon, getting married young, because that's what you do, having seven kids, because you're sort of birthing your way into heaven, uh, then leaving the church. I had sort of a faith crisis. I left the religion. I recognized my sexuality as being a lesbian, came out to my husband got divorced, and now I'm just sort of figuring out my life at 44 years old. So that's that's the nutshell of it. It's very raw, very vulnerable, but we laugh a lot um, too. So I think people so far are enjoying it. Well, I'm enjoying it. So, and that's what exactly why I reached out to you to have this conversation. Um, so I highly recommend it. Um, so, like you know, we're uh, we're going to be talking about sex on this show. So, the first thing that I want to learn about from you is what does Mormonism teach about sex? What did you learn as a young girl from your family and your religion about sex and sexuality? Wow. So, Mormonism teaches and the way that I interpreted the teachings and the way typically they are, they are interpreted is that your job as a girl is to maintain your virginity, your chastity uh, up until you're married. And if you make any sort of sexual mistake, that's a huge, huge sin. And you have to be forgiven of that. 
Um, and you're taught things in Sunday school, like if you have had sex before marriage, you're, you're a licked cupcake. Who wants a licked cupcake? Um, or the one that I remember is you're like an apple with a, a bite already missing. You know, what man would want that? And that was always the, the focus, um, I don't know if anyone out here knows about the Elizabeth Smart case. She was the girl who was kidnapped in Utah and by some weird guy, and he kind of made her his plural wife, and she was young. She was, I think, 14, 15, and she remembered the, the um, talk that she was given in when she was a young woman in the church saying that if you are sexually immoral before marriage, you are like chewed up gum. And so when she was raped by this man, she kept thinking, well, I'm chewed up gum now. Who's going to want me? And it's, it's such a damaging thing to teach young girls. Um, you're also taught that your bodies, if you show too much of your body, if you show your shoulders or anything up past your knee, uh, that you are porn. You're actually pornography for men. And if they end up masturbating or having sexual thoughts, it's your fault because you showed your skin. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Pretty crazy. So, and where does like just sort of what we in the uh, non-religious community would think (laughs) of as, um, as sort of like normal teenage exploration, kissing and a little bit of feeling up, like where does that fall? Is that also considered totally verboten? Kissing is okay. Anything more, I mean, holding hands is fine, but anything more than that, any sort of touching, they actually call that heavy petting and you have to go talk to your bishop and tell him what you've done. Um, it's, there's nothing you, obviously masturbation is a huge no-no. You have to go to your bishop. It's like going to confession if you're a Catholic, I guess. But as a, as a teenager, when you go to talk to your bishop and they, they interview you every year about your morality and they ask you, do you, do you abide by the law of chastity? So it's teenage girl or boy in a room with an older man. And he's asking questions. And if you say, ah, I'm not sure about the law of chastity. I'm not sure if I'm keeping it or breaking it. I don't know. Like, what is that? Then they will ask you questions like, do you masturbate? And if you say, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. Then they will tell you. Or if you're a boy or a girl, whatever, and you say, yes, I, yes, I've had sex. I need to repent of that. Uh, typically there's this line of questioning that comes along after, which is how many times with who we want names. Did you have an orgasm? Um, did you, did you like it? Who started it? Um, so very invasive, embarrassing, shameful guilt is what my experience was sexually growing up Mormon. Wow. Yeah. And, and what kind of, um, once they go through that sort of invasive questioning, mm-hmm. what kind of repercussions are there if you have done something? Uh, well, if you are a boy, sometimes they will not allow you to serve a mission, which if you don't serve a mission, a Mormon mission, when you're a boy, you're basically ostracized from the community because everyone knows that you didn't go because of sexual sin, because that's the one thing that will keep you from going. Um, you also are told you're not allowed to take the sacrament. Which again, if you're going to church and you're sitting there with your family and they're passing the sacrament tray down and you just kind of keep passing it, everyone looks like, oh, you know, it's, it's almost like wearing the scarlet letter. It's very bad. It's very oh, embarrassing. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
you have to keep going in and talking to the bishop over and over until you can overcome your problems um, with boys in their teen years that typically is masturbation because that's that's boys you know like they have this drive and um they get shamed so much that they will think that they are somehow addicted to masturbation and they need to pray and be cured of it and anything watching porn anything sexual is that would be a normal teenage sort of experimentation is taught as evil and filthy and will keep you out of god's kingdom Wow. It's a great way to grow up. And, yeah, <laughs> it sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad I, I'm, I'm not in it. Oh, my gosh. So then once you grow up and mm. you choose a mate and get married, you're supposed to all of a sudden flip a switch and know exactly how to please your man. Is all, that how that goes? That's exactly how that goes. And it's it's ridiculous because – you don't talk about sex when you're Mormon. You don't talk about it with your family. Typically they don't talk about it in church. Um, you're just taught. No, 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 don't touch, avoid those feelings, avoid getting aroused, avoid, avoid, avoid. And then the second you're married, all of a sudden you're supposed to just have rampant sex, start, start making babies. And wow. the, the problem that I had and that a lot of people have is I was not a virgin when I got married. I had a wild streak. Um, went through the whole repentance process, the guilt, the shame, the everything it was horrible. And my husband was a virgin. Like he didn't do anything wrong before he got married. And so he was ashamed that I wasn't a virgin. He wanted to make sure that nobody knew that I wasn't a virgin when we got married to the point where when we did get married, he said, I don't want you talking to any of your old friends who, who know about your past. Like it was like, this is your oh, wow. life. Now your life now is my wife. You were clean and pure and we go forward. And because he was a virgin, it, it already started us off on this imbalance. You know, I, in my mind, I was dirty and gross and just kind of lucky that someone of his caliber would accept me and want to marry me. Um, and so it was just very uneven. And then anytime we suffered with any sort of, sexual malfunction, I was always blamed. You know, if I was too mm. tired and didn't want to have sex or anything, anything, if he, if he couldn't get it up, it was my fault because I wasn't a virgin. Wow. Great way to start a marriage, by the way. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So you've mentioned that you were not a virgin when you got married. Can you talk about those early sexual experiences and yeah. how they came about for you? Yeah. Uh, so when I was 14, went, I went to Mexico with some friends, might've been 15, uh, just to go partying. I was already re rebelling. My home life was miserable. I hated being at home. Um, so we, we went out partying in Mexico and I got drunk at age 15 and a couple of guys from my high school said they'd give me a ride home. And I said, sure. So you know, going home and me and when the one guy start making out and I'm so drunk, I can't even like think, I can't think straight and we end up having sex. Um, and then of course I, was felt, it consensual? I mean, I didn't say yes. And I didn't say no. I, and, and I understand okay. consent. I, I totally get it. I'm not making light of that. Um, but, but you know, would I go back to that guy today and say, you raped me? Um, I think consent was just a, it was, there was a different understanding back in, Absolutely. This, this was in the eighties. Uh, early nineties. Yeah. And so I wouldn't 
I wouldn't make a big deal of it, although it wasn't okay. It's never okay mm-hmm. um, to have sex with a drunk girl. Um, and I've kind of gone back and forth in my head, actually, that now that you bring that up, was I, was I raped? Did I say yes? Did I say no? Was I acting like I wanted it? Not that any of that matters. I get that. Um, but after that happened, it was like, well, I'm no longer a virgin anymore, so I don't have that going for me. I might as well just have sex. And, you know, I had daddy issues. I wanted men to um, like me. I wanted to be accepted. And as a teenage girl, that was, you know, trying to find love through sex with other guys. Um, And did you experiment with girls or women at all? I didn't. I didn't. It's interesting because looking back, there were so many signs that I was gay. And I've actually talked (laughs) to a couple of the girls that I that we sort of were crushing on each other, but didn't say anything because when you're Mormon, that's not a thing. Like you, mm-hmm. especially back then they taught that being, I didn't even know what that was actually. I didn't even know what being gay was. Um, but the teachings were that it's something that's made up. People just sort of decide they're gay because they want to be evil and wicked. Um, and it's not really actually a thing. And so I couldn't really wow. process the feelings that I was having, but looking back, Oh God, there's just so many, so many signs. Um mm-hmm. So no, no, no experimentation with girls. The the closest thing was I stayed the night at my friend's house and she's one of the ones that I talk to now. We kind of laugh about the situation and we're like, oh my gosh, how did we not know we were gay? Um, <laughs> she's out of the closet now too. So I had stayed the night at her house and we were laying in her bed just talking and she put her, her foot kind of on my calf and was just sort of lightly caressing it. Not in a, not in a sexual way, just kind of like how girls will play with each other's other's hair or whatever. And when I felt that on my leg, it was like my heart just started racing and I got flush and it was this feeling of, I I just want to feel like this for the rest of my life. I never want this high to go away, you know? And that would have been a sign, (laughs) I think, (laughs) had I been taught that there were things like being gay, being straight, being transgendered, like there's, there's options, but I was not given options growing up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a home that was very accepting of gay and lesbian people. I mean, they were, my parents had lots of friends and they were Mm. around all the time. So that was just never a thing. But I was very confused by the fact that sometimes I liked girls and sometimes I liked boys because Mm -hmm. that was not an option. Like you were supposed to be able to check one box or the other and I couldn't do that. And Mm -hmm. that was really um, upsetting and painful for a long time. Yeah. Well, you were probably thinking what's wrong with me. Why can't I choose? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, There's something wrong with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was there a point at which you discovered masturbation either inside the church or once you left? It was once we left. Yeah, I I was masturbation for me. I didn't even masturbate when I was younger, just because it just seemed weird, and it seemed somehow even more sinful than sex. Because it was, I don't know. That's just how I felt about it. I don't feel about that that way now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after my husband and I left the church, I think we kind of had a discussion about it, and I said I don't see anything wrong with it, and he said okay, but he. And we were not having a lot of sex there at the end of our marriage. We were fighting all the time and he would want sex. And I would just say, just go masturbate. Jeez. And he would say, well, I'm, I just still, I have a problem with that. Like it was just ingrained in me that I can't do it. So I, I can't, I can't, like he would try and he couldn't. 
um, because it was so taught to him how evil and sinful it was. But I had no problem. (laughs) I figured it out. (laughs) And what did you learn? I imagine that that was a time when you learned about your body, maybe for the first time, if you weren't having enjoyment during heterosexual sex, was masturbation a way that you began to really learn how your body works? So heterosexual sex, I purely physically enjoyed it. Like I could have an orgasm, you know, but there was always this sense of being pressured to have sex, didn't really want to. And then afterward kind of feeling like a little bit like a whore because I was giving sex and not wanting to. So masturbation for me became a way better choice than heterosexual sex because I could still have the 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 orgasms multiple orgasms and didn't have to be emotionally try to be emotionally involved with someone that I wasn't emotionally connected to um so learning about my body yeah i think so i think so yeah so how long ago did you leave the church um started leaving when i turned 40 and i'm 44 now but it took a good year year and a half to just completely be out so and where in there did lesbianism become an option for you? Great question. So I think had I stayed in the church, I would have never really analyzed my feelings because I thought, I knew because I'd been taught that being gay was wrong and it was a sin and gay people were out to destroy the traditional family and the traditional family is what God has commanded. You know, even even as an adult still being in the Mormon church, I found myself, if someone talked about someone who was gay, I would have both disgust and curiosity at the same time. It was like my reaction was to be like, oh, they're ruining their families or whatever. But at the same time, I had this other reaction that I, I wanted to know more. I wanted to see what they looked like. You know, I, I want there was some sort of curiosity there. So it was kind of this inner battle. And then when my husband and I finally left the church and I was meeting people that were not Mormon. Cause when you're Mormon, mostly your friends are Mormons because you have this tight knit group in the church and that's who, you know, so you don't really know a lot of gay people. And we left the church and I started making friends outside of Mormonism and there were gay people there and starting to realize like, they're not these horrible sex driven maniacs. They're people And I kept processing this and finally came to the conclusion that I didn't hate gay people. I actually love gay people. And God, if there is a God, he doesn't hate gay people. There's nothing wrong with it. And so it was crazy how as soon as I let that into my heart, there is nothing wrong with being gay. Instantly, I started finding myself being attracted to women, like strong attractions. It was almost like I had blocked those feelings by it being bashed into my head my entire life that it was wrong. And um, I I had joined a CrossFit gym where there's all these fit, hot chicks, you know? And I remember <laughs> being at the gym and suddenly I found myself, I wasn't really paying attention to the men with their shirts off. I mean, I could appreciate a nice chest, but I found myself, I kept like having to see these women. And it was more than just wanting to see them physically I wanted to be their best friends. I wanted to know everything about them. I wanted to be next to them. I wanted to text them all day. I just needed that, that thing. It was, it became this obsession um, with me. And then I realized, shit, I think I'm gay because I want 
to spend time with these women and I don't want to spend time with my husband. There's nothing mm. about him or about maleness that, that I want to be around at that point. And I had a couple of friends, um, very close friends, and I found myself being so attracted to them that it was just all I wanted to do was text them all day or be in their car or talk about life or hug them really close or tell them my deepest, darkest secrets and hear theirs. And I had nothing of that for my husband. Never did, you know? Hmm. Um, so it, for me, it was getting that hatred out of my heart for gay people that suddenly removed the barrier and my true self just burst, burst out. Hmm. So what was it like for you the first time that you got to have sexual relations with <sighs> a female? Was scary. It was scary <laughs> as shit, Leah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, it's funny because um, my my girlfriend that I with now, Mary, the one I, I do the podcast with, she was my first um, experience. Um, oh. Yeah. So we met on match.com. And the the bio that I put up was like, oh, I'm I'm getting divorced. I was born and raised in a cult. I think I'm gay. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm freaking out. I'm probably going to erase this right away. And I was like, fuck it. And so I posted it, you know. And a couple of days later, Mary replied beautifully. She said, hey, it's going to all be okay, I promise. Mm. And that was just this this comfort and warmth that I needed that for me only can be provided by a woman. It doesn't, I don't ever feel that for men. And there was instantly this desire to get to know her better. And so we started um, talking on match and it quickly turned into text and she lived about 30 minutes, 30 minutes away. And within a couple of weeks, she wanted to meet me. Um, and I was scared shitless to meet her because I've never been face to face with a woman who knows that I'm gay ever. Mm. And one that I would be attracted to At that point I had told my best friend and we were cool. You know, it was, it was fine. There was no weirdness there. Um, but to be face to face with a woman, her knowing that I might be interested, that terrified me. Cause I didn't know. I mean, I'd never been with a woman. I'd been married for 21 years at that point hadn't been with a man, no one since, since I was 20, I was 22 when I got married. And so I finally agreed to meet with her and I got to the bar early so I could drink. So I could try to calm my <laughs> nerves. Uh, so I downed a couple of beers and I sat there and I saw her walking up the street. And my first reaction was, Oh, good. She's not ugly because you never know. Wow. <laughs> like, like the pictures on match. Like, I, I don't know what to expect. I just, I'm so attracted to who she is. I just, I just don't want her to be, you know, horribly disgusting. And I know that sounds horrible. And right now your listeners are probably turning this off because I sound judgmental. Um, but <laughs> I, I wanted her to look like her pictures. Let me just put it that way. And yeah. She, and I wanted her to be. I, I didn't want anyone prissy because I couldn't tell from her pictures if she was prissy, if she was butchy. I didn't, I didn't know. And when she walked, when I saw her walking up, it was perfect because she was very pretty, but not high maintenance looking. And she walked mm -hmm. a little bit strong, which I liked. I, I don't know. And it's weird because I didn't know what I liked beforehand. I just was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? 
Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So she came in and she sat down and oh, I didn't, I didn't know how to act. And she, she, she ordered a beer and she got up and she went to the restroom. While she was in the restroom, I got my phone out and I texted her and I said, Mary, I am so nervous. Will you please stay in the bathroom for a while and just text me? Cause that was our <laughs> communication for so long. Oh, that's awesome. And I love goes, it. And she goes, uh, sure. And gave me a couple minutes to calm down. And she came out like, no, we can talk. I was so nervous. And so she sat back down and we talked. I love that you asked for what you needed. Yeah. And, and that has been the basis of our relationship is we've been able to ask for anything and not feel stupid, not feel dismissed. Just, I need this right now. I'm freaking out. Can you just sit on the toilet for an extra five minutes and text me? Like, can you please (laughs) give me this? Uh, So sitting down with her, we were just chatting and, you know, it was flirty, which I don't know, I'm getting a little flushed thinking about like flirting with my girlfriend. It's still so, this is like only a year and a half ago. Um, and I remember she had put her knee against my knee and it was like jolts of energy. And she put her hand and just, just kind of brushed my, my leg really quickly, like telling a joke and just kind of rubbed my leg. And it was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a woman. There's a woman. Like she's sitting right next to me. It's a, it's a girl. It's a female. And, and she touched my leg. Oh my gosh. This woman touched my leg and I liked it. I mean, my brain was just going crazy. Like I think I'm, I, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a lesbian. I'm a lesbian, which was so exciting to finally be me. You know, it felt, it felt so good. I had been hiding that my whole life. Um, to finish up the first date story real quickly though, cause it ends again, in a crazy fashion, because I, I don't know how to behave when I'm nervous. Um, I told her I, wa- I would walk her to her car, which felt so good for me, because even as, as I guess, being a straight woman, I wanted, I still, I felt 
that it sucked that I couldn't open doors for other people. And I wanted to put my arm around. I wanted to be sort of like this chivalric person. I, I don't know. It was always in me. And so when I told her I wanted to walk into her car, she said, yeah, that'd be great. It felt so good. It felt so good. I got to walk someone to their car. Um, but as we're walking, I started getting nervous again, thinking, oh my gosh, is she going to, is she going to want to kiss me? I don't, I'm not ready. I don't, I don't know what to do. She's been a lesbian her whole life. She's going to want to kiss me. I can't handle it. And my mind was going crazy. <laughs> we got about three cars away from her car. And in just this extreme anxiety breakdown, I just said, well, I'm going to get going. And I hauled ass, like went super speed walk, just passed by her car, <laughs> turned right, <laughs> went to the parking lot where my car was. And I texted her and said, I'm so sorry. I got really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not very cool <laughs> at all. Um, so how long did it take for you to get the courage up to actually kiss her? Yeah. So, uh, we went to a movie a couple days later and we held hands and there was, you know, she put her hand on my inner thigh and I was excited and also uncomfortable because in my mind, like, oh my gosh, what if there's someone in this theater that knows me? I was still very mm. closeted. Um, and then a few days later, I met her at a bar and in my mind, I just was like, God, I really like this girl. There's just something about her. And we were sitting at the corner of this bar and we were drinking and kind of leaning in towards each other and talking. And then all of a sudden we were kissing and oh my God, Leah, kissing a woman is like, I, I was born again. It was just, it, it, it was ever all of my senses, you know, just the way she smelled like a woman and her lips were soft and, and she kissed me gently and there was no, no scrubble or no scruffle, no, no manly aggressive kissing. Uh, and I, and at the same time, my, my mind is like, Oh my God, you're kissing a woman, you're kissing a woman. So it was all this excitement and it was like this first time thing and lightning bolts. And my heart was just one. It's like, I wanted to be so close to her. Um, it was amazing. Like that first kiss was just, I've never had a kiss like that in my entire life. And I kissed mm. a lot of boys in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so what about when you moved beyond kissing and further into the bedroom? Yeah, that was, um, I was very scared, very scared. It, the first night where we got, you know, we, we went a little far was at her, her place, her condo. And we're just, you know, making it on the couch and kind of, I don't know what you call it, just, um, groping at each other and sort of, I don't even know what the appropriate term is. Um, I don't know. Anyways, I had an orgasm and I instantly felt guilty because all of that Mormon teaching came back to me and all of that, um, well, you know, it was this guilt of what are you doing? You need to be home with your husband. We were still married. I mean, we had separated, but there was the agreement that we could date other people. So it wasn't this that I was breaking any rule with him. Um, but it was just this Mormon shit just came crashing down on me again. And I felt guilty and I felt shame and I felt like I, I needed to repent. And I laid there and I just started crying. I felt so bad. And she said, Oh my gosh, what's, what's wrong? And I told her and she just held me and she just said, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I and mean, it was 
it was perfect because I could tell her, I could let those emotions out. I could tell her how I was feeling. And she just said, I'm sorry. And just held me. And it was, it was perfect because she could have said, that's so stupid. Why do you even care? You're not even Mormon anymore. Or, well, if you feel like you need to go back to your husband and kids, then go, don't waste my time. Mm -hmm. You know, there was just, there was so much opportunity for her to say the wrong thing. And she said the perfect thing and did the perfect thing. So it was probably a couple times later when I stayed, I stayed the night with her the whole night, um, you know, naked in the bed or whatever. And there was, there was sex to be had and it was just exciting and amazing. And she was so patient with me because I, I don't, I mean, sure. I'm a woman, so I understand woman parts, but they're, they're all different. And oh, they're all so different. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know, which is funny because I remember we were so stupid. We went on a vacation once and of course we were drinking and we were talking about how vaginas are all different. And so we like lay in the bed with the lights out, but with our lights on, on our phones and just examined each other's like, Oh, huh. it was very cl <laughs> clinical. Very like, Oh, that's so interesting. Well, mine is like this. I didn't, well, what do you like mine like this? You know, it was, it was so, it was something that I had never and would never have done with my husband. I didn't even like looking at his penis. I didn't like talking about genitalia, but for some reason with Mary, it was just, well, let's talk about it. Let's take away all the scariness. And that, that was awesome. That was, that was, that was really great. I found with Mary sex with her is phenomenal because I love her and we are so connected. And I'm, I finally got to feel that progression of being with someone going on a date, you know, you having such a good time, you come home, you love each other. And then you, you show your love in this sexual passionate way. And it brings you closer. I had never had that. I'd never mm -hmm. had that. And it, it, it's like, you know, when we're, when we're done having sex, we just hold each other. And I'm just so grateful. Like, I, I can't believe I get to have this. Uh, one thing that's awesome about lesbian sex is it's like, you never really have to be done. There's not like, you know, the man ejaculates, <laughs> well, it's over. It's, it's just, right. well, when, when are you want to go to sleep? <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's great. And for me, lesbian sex, and I have only had one lesbian sexual partner, but with her, it's, there's nothing selfish about it. It's all very giving. And I, again, I hadn't experienced that in my entire life with someone giving to me in a sexual manner. It was more of, look, I need to have sex, you know? Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. 
And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Are there still times now that you've been together for a while that the old programming shows up in your sexual relationship? You know, it's interesting. My sex drive is stronger than Mary's. She's a bit older than I am. And, you know, lesbian sex is still so wonderful and new to me. And sometimes I feel like I want to make sure I'm not the man that my husband was. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pressure her into having sex with me because I really just want to have sex. And so I'm very conscientious of that. Um, it's, it's so, we're so vocal. That's another thing is we talk about it. And my husband and I didn't talk about sex. I think being raised Mormon, you just don't talk about it. Um, and so we'll discuss it. What do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to do? Are you tired? Do you want, it's just, it's such a different experience. It's just open and honest and enjoyable um, and loving and caring and unselfish. It's just different. But I had to get the Mormon thing completely out of my head there. It, it took a while. It did. It took a few times of me staying over with her or her staying with me and, and the whole sexual experience. It took a bit until I could get that guilt and shame out of me completely. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about uh, with my partner who I've been with for just under a year Mm -hmm. at this point. And um, I, I, the reason I'm doing this is because I had terrible sexual experience. I hated sex for, I wanted to love it, but I had a lot of old baggage that led me to hate it and led me to feel like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do for my partner. And now I'm with a partner having gone through this sexual journey and healing where he and I are both like, I only want to do this if you want to do it. I only want to do this if I know that you're having pleasure. And so there, you know, there are plenty of times when I'll be like, you know, I'm ready to go, but you're too tired. So Mm -hmm. let's not do this. And he'll be like, well, well, can I just hold you while you take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. 
or vice versa, mm -hmm. where I'll just hold him while he takes care of himself. And, and that's not something that ever occurred to me was even possible oh, in the yeah. past. But yes. it's, it's the beauty of being able to talk about what's really important and to respect each other's needs. It's just an amazing thing. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Because Mary and I will do the same. It's just she's, you know, she's like, I'm a little tired. And I can but I can tell that you really are in the mood. So yeah, take care of yourself. And, and those have honestly been some of the most incredible experiences is having her next to me and holding me. That that never would have happened in my marriage, A, because you're not allowed to masturbate. But it, it, it's there's so many beautiful ways to express your love without it being actual intercourse. And that wasn't available to me until I left the church and found my actual sexuality, you know? So how are you talking to your kids about sex? Well, thankfully, we left the church because when we were still in the church, we were teaching them with guilt and shame, um, like good little Mormon parents. But now, so my oldest is 19, my next is 17, and they both have girlfriends. And so I'm sure they're sexually involved with their girlfriends who've been together for a while. And um, I've talked to both of them about consent. And I mean, that was like out of the gate consent, you know, and um I talked to them about being responsible, about wearing condoms, birth control, all of that, and really instilling in them, you, you don't want a baby at this age. You don't want a baby and you don't want to catch a disease. Um, and I also explained to them how it feels to a girl to be used for sex and that, mm. a boy, that a boy might not think they're using them for sex or they might think, well, this girl just wants sex. So we'll just have sex. But typically a girl in their age range it's not just wanting to have random sex with boys. There's, there's, they want some kind of a relationship. So don't, don't use girls for sex. Talked about that a lot. And also the emotional side of sex that typically when you have a partner and you do have sex, there's an emotional connection. So don't, don't mess with that. Don't hurt people over sex. Don't, don't expect to just be able to have sex with this girl, that girl, that girl, and not either yourself have some emotional hang up there or causing those girls hangups, like don't be selfish, you know, mm -hmm. um, with our daughter who is 15. Now we have told her, you don't want to mess with boys at this age, <laughs> not worth it. No one falls in love at 15. I don't care how good looking is. Um, no sending nude selfies because that's kind of like the generation right now is the whole nude, nude Snapchat. And, yeah. you know, I've explained to that. I don't, I don't care how much the boy says he likes you, loves you. Don't, don't, don't give of yourself to a boy. No boy can earn you sexually. No boy can love you enough to make you want to have sex. If you don't want to just don't do it. Um, but then also talking about birth control and things of that nature. Uh, the next kid is 12. Nah, he, there's, I'm not, <laughs> he's so goofy. I'm not worried about <laughs> that kid. Uh, but we talk about masturbation because I don't want them to have remembered anything from Mormonism that would bring them guilt and shame about that. And the younger mm -hmm. ones. The other day, um, I was driving in my car with the five-year-old and the eight-year-old. And the five-year-old said, Mom, where do babies come from? And I just kind of laughed because, oh, God, here we go. And then the eight-year-old goes, uh, everyone knows they come from the woman's vagina and it's literally disgusting. 
Uh, I said, well, Philip, it's not a vagina, but okay. And, you know, why is it disgusting? And, uh, you know, he's like, well, the blood. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. So it wasn't that women are, are it's not that vaginas are disgusting. It's that the whole birthing process is disgusting. And I kind of agree. I mean, I did it seven times and it's a little disgusting. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the extent of what he knows about sex is that, you know, yeah, yeah, babies come out of vaginas. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cute. (laughs) That is all of the questions Ah. I have. Um, Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to share? It's, it's great to be myself and I would encourage all of your listeners and my listeners, if any of you listen to my podcast, be yourself and be proud of it and accept yourself. Life is short. Um, I, I spent 21 years being in a marriage that was miserable and kids, if you're listening, I love you. I'm glad that you're here. I would never go back to not having you. Um, (laughs) but 21 years of unhappiness and trying to force a relationship that's never going to work is just such a waste of energy and time and emotion. So find your, find your happiness and go after it. Mm. Lovely. And listen to Latter-day Lesbian. (laughs) Yes, that will make you happy. I promise. (laughs) Yes. It's really fun. (laughs) Well, thank you. This has been such a joy, Shelly. I really appreciate your time. Sure, It's been fun for me. I've never, I've never been asked those kinds of questions before. It's kind of fun. That's exactly why I do this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little dirty, but like, oh, wow, this is great. I just talked about it. Random stranger asking me about my clitoris. Like, wow, okay. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com follow me on instagram twitter and youtube at good girls talk for more sex positive content if you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show call and leave a message at 720 good sex Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. 
as your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>